Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 37. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hello there, and welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. Have a different kind of guest with us today that I'm very excited about. His name is Aaron Hendon, and he is a realtor. He comes with such a wealth of knowledge, experience, and expertise, and he is going to help us investors today learn how to find and select a great realtor to be on our team or to work with us or to help us. He's a Seattle realtor, real estate investor, author, educator, and speaker. He's managing partner of Christine and Company, a Seattle Magazine, awarded five-star real estate agent, winning team for the past five years, and individual rising star in Seattle real estate winner this year. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Well, thanks, Holly. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yay. I'm very happy. Well, we're so glad to have you. Why don't you start by giving our listeners a little bit of your backstory, mm-hmm. uh, what you've done, and how you got to where you are today? All right. Well, let's see. You know, I'm, I'm originally from New York, uh, so I have sort of an inbred degree of hustle uh, that uh, I use and I've used for a long time. You know, I love that part of life. Uh, I, I went to art school. I have no real business. I, I, I went to art school. Uh, I graduated art school. I found that my Bachelor of Fine Arts made me eligible to work in food service anywhere in the country. So I went, uh, started waiting tables in Albuquerque and moved to Albuquerque with my girlfriend. And um, eventually uh, the baker quit at that restaurant and I started baking at the restaurant. And then I raised money and I opened a bakery and I had a business for nine years. And then uh, I sold it and I went to um, work in other kinds of uh, sales roles. I subscribe to the Daniel Pink. Uh, if you haven't read any Daniel Pink's work, it's great. It's uh, all salesperson's great, great sales training. Anyway, his, his philosophy is basically everyone sells to sell as human. And um, so as a business owner, you're selling all the time. And then I went to various sales positions and I was, um, I started uh, real estate investing at some point and I had a house we were renting out, uh, sold it right before the collapse. Thank you. And, um, uh, uh, got into an inside sales position uh, selling credit repair services. And I was smiling and dialing, you know, $100 a day. And uh, uh, was calling on realtors because I figured they had people that needed credit repair. You know, they Absolutely, need- yes, we totally do. <laughs> yeah. So, and every realtor I talked to was said to me some version of, hey, if you're calling 100 people a day anyway, you should be in real estate. That's what a good realtor does is talks to people on the phone. That's, re- that's the job of a realtor is to call people and you'll make a lot more money. And I thought, I like the sound of that. So I got my license and I moved into real estate. And now I, you know, smile and dial and talk to people about selling or buying homes and things like that. And, um, and then one of the things I sort of, uh, part of what I do also is just, I'm really big on education. I teach first time home buyer classes and whatnot. And, um, it became shocking to me the degree of uh, 
uh, lack of knowledge that people have about the other side of the equation in real estate, what it is, what's happening on the realtor side of the equation. And I got really interested in that. So I've written a book and I'm writing a second book because I, I just think if people knew what was really happening on the other side, they'd be a lot more empowered to make better choices in their real estate decisions. So uh, that's a little bit about how I got here. Cool. Well, I'll have to dive into that more later. So um, I've got a question for you. Mm. When selecting a real estate agent, what numbers do people normally focus on and what numbers should they focus on instead? Yeah, that's one of those things that I think people really, you know, don't understand about real estate. And, and um, so I think mostly if you ask a realtor to tell you about their business, they'll say something like we sold X number of units this year or we did X volume this year. And people pick realtors based on that. And if they don't pick them based on just those numbers, maybe they do it because they see a lot of signs. So they know they sell a lot of houses and somehow it's all matched up with the number of units equals a better realtor. And I think that's a, I think it's fine. If you're asking it from the realtor, that's great. If from the realtor's perspective, yay, I sold a lot of houses. I made a lot of money. That's fabulous. But it doesn't tell you anything about their performance necessarily. It doesn't say how much better they are than someone else. Um, so there's a threshold. Another, I do think there's a threshold. Like if you're not dealing with someone who does 15 or 20 deals a year, you're probably dealing with a part-timer. So that's one thing. But over 20 deals a year, I think the number you want to ask people, especially if you're a flipper, um, an investor, what's the number? Let me just ask you, Holly, if you're flipping a house, what is your intention in selling that house? I want to maximize my bottom line. Get me the most money I can. That's in the least amount of time. Right. Right. Those are the two things you care about, right? Yeah. But nobody, nobody, when I go get interviewed for, to, um, for a listing appointment, nobody has ever asked me how much over listing price do you average compared to the local market averages? How much more do you get for your houses than local than the average in this market? No one has ever asked me how much more money I get for my houses than the local market average. Isn't that oh, weird? Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you right now, how much do you get? We get, we, last year we averaged about 5% more than the local market average. Wow. So next question, you know, is going to be, how do you do that? Right. Well, it's our marketing plan and it's our, it's, uh, you know, the way we set the price of the house, like we don't take every listing because, you know, what, here's, so that's, a, so that's, here's another thing that people don't understand about realtors or the way realtors work. Um, because the way the system is set up, not because the way the system is set up, but the way people operate is they generally don't know what to ask because look, you just, you just proved it, right? The thing that's important to you, you never ask a realtor. And if you asked a realtor, I promise you they wouldn't know. Nine, nine out of 10 of them would have to look it up how much over local market average they do. Why? Because no one ever asks them. Why, why doesn't anyone ask them? Because they hire the, because they don't know what to ask. So they hire the first agent they find. Something like 70% of people will hire the first agent they talk to, which is why smiling and dialing is a pro profitable way for me to get business because all I have to do is sound credible on the phone. Um, 
and then I get in there and I can show them what we do. Uh, but how we do it is, so we set the price right, and it's easy to find someone who's gonna set the price at what you want. Like you think, oh, I wanna get the most money, so I wanna set it at $400,000. Okay, well, nothing in your neighborhood is sold over three fifty. But my neighbor's cousin's brother told me, or the prices are just skyrocketing here, or I was at that open house. Never mind that that house is another thousand square feet than yours. <laughs> it was built 20 years you know, earlier, later than yours. Never mind that. I, I know you want 400,000, but you're not going to get it, so I won't take the listing. Um, unless you can see to it that, you know, we're going to, here's the evidence for it. So people rarely don't always want the evidence. People think their house is not so much for a flipper. For an investor, it's pretty basic, right? You, it's definitely not your home. You're not selling your home. You are definitely clear you're selling a house. You're selling a thing, which is why investors have a real advantage over a normal Joe, Mary and Joe's home seller, because Mary and Joe home seller think they're selling their home. And you must get this all the time when you walk in to try and buy a flip. You know, they think their home is like, oh, this is my home. This is like where I raise my kids. That's wonderful. But no one wants that. No one's going to buy that. And you know what I hear too? They'll talk about how it was upgraded. Well, yeah, it was upgraded back in 1985. Yeah. And even now what I'm seeing and hearing is, because I'm a re I'll call it a retail realtor too, besides I'm selling six. Mm. I'll see homes that are, redone nicely 10 years ago yeah and now the new style and colors are grays and whites and now the travertine tumbled marble dark brown rich wood it might be in great condition still but it's not what's going to get top dollar anymore because people are coming in and going oh i need to renovate that but yeah as a flipper i'll come into a house that is in great condition from the 80s mm -hmm. and I need to redo it and it does hurt people's feelings you got to be careful of that and I'd love to hear how you do it but um yeah I mean it's an emotional thing for people oh. and so part of what I do I know I'm talking a lot here but okay. as a flipper um for my audience I tell realtors when they're listing my properties you will not hurt my feelings I'm in this to make money. Tell me the truth. Tell yeah. me what needs to be changed. Tell me what needs to be added. Give me the honest feedback because my goal is to sell the house quickly for the most money, Go not ahead. to have someone tell me my house is pretty. No, I just want to get out of it and make money. So great. Really advice good. to the audience. Yeah. And then, you know, as you it's were, great. Aaron, with investors, you can ask any before you tell someone like me, do you want me to make you feel good about the house or do you want to get it sold fast? And do you want the truth? Huh? Yeah, it's great. And Holly, it's really great. And it's great that you you're proactive in saying that because a lot of realtors are organized unless they work with investors all the time. They're organized to be sensitive yes, and cautious versus, you know, how we get 5% more than average is we, first of all, we have a 10 day marketing blitz. We have a very systematic approach to it. And um, actually if people are really interested in how we do it, I have a, online uh, and we can put it in the show notes is a seven i think it's an eight step uh video series on selling your home for the most amount of money in the least time it's basically an overview of what we do to get home sold so if people want to watch that it's free it's on youtube and i'll i'll get you the playlist awesome but, okay but a, a lot of it frankly is in the pricing you know is that you uh you know you need to price aggressively you need to price it so to be responsible for that, you're going to get the most showings in the first 10 days. 
You want to get it sold in those first 10 days. You don't want to be the person that's sitting there uh, with a home that's overpriced. You are never going to sell, uh, you know, it happens and people are, but you're never going to sell, you know, two nickels for a quarter. So you got to get it priced right. And then you can get overpriced if you can get three, four, five offers. If you get people pot committed and they're, willing to bid it up, you can get it over what they'd want to spend. For the psychology is definitely on your side when you create people looking up to bid higher than it is when you price it high, thinking, well, they're going to negotiate lower. If you go into it pricing high, thinking they're going to negotiate lower, they are. If you price it low, knowing that you're going to get three or four people bidding against each other. Now, that depends on the market. Not every area, you know, Seattle happens to be one of the hottest markets in the country. So it's easy to do it, but we reliably get 5% more than other people. So pricing is important. Marketing is important. Prospecting, cold calling. You know, we have a team of people that door knock around all our listings and get the neighbors excited about it. Um, when we hold open houses for the house, um, we, uh, like I have one going on on Thursday night. I have a new one in Seattle going on Thursday night. We're not going to let anyone in until Saturday at one o'clock. So there's going to be all this interest. So now the open house comes at one o'clock on Saturday and the place is full of people. Well, what does everyone think when it's full of people? They think everyone loves it. Yeah, I love that strategy. When there's a ton of people there, when one buyer wants the house, they think because they love it, everyone loves it. And so it's really advantageous to get as many people there at once. Yes. I've learned that. Right. So we think it through, you know, and we do all that work and we do all the door knocking and, you know, and again, this is, and you know, one of the pitfalls I think for investors is because there's, you really do deal with profit margins and your margins are really tight. And if it costs a little bit more to renovate than you expected and right. And um, you know, really a lot of investors are really great at, doing it and you're professional and that's fabulous and you might be able to do it by yourself because you've done it a lot but rarely do i see people get more money by selling it themselves than i do if they have taken the time to get a realtor that does the right work you're going to get more than the three percent back than you spent on the realtor and that's another number that people tend to focus on is the commission for the realtor and uh while clearly, if someone's going to give me years worth of business, I will definitely give them a better rate. You know, I don't need the full 3% if I know I'm going to do business with you twice a year, mm -hmm. right? Um, or whatever, right? Uh, a lot of people try to um, think that you're getting a bargain when they can negotiate the, the listing commission. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's nuts. I think that's insane. I mean, what have you just proven? You have just proven. So you've negotiated a better rate with that realtor. Congratulations. You now, right, have gotten the person that you're hiring to defend your value to lower their value, to lower their cost. Amen what's, to that. Yes. Yeah. I don't think people what's, think through that. That's you want crazy. somebody that's going to stand up for you. Yeah. And, and you want to negotiate with them to hear how they negotiate, right? To see, do they go back and forth? Are they standing tall? Are they standing tough? Or are they just like scared? to lose the business because if they're scared to lose your business, they're going to be scared to lose that buyer and they're going to get you less money than someone who is very clear and very powerful. Not to say you didn't get a better rate. You know, I'll give people a half a percent in the negotiation to get the deal, 
but I think you'd want a realtor that was willing to give a half, you know, go back and forth. Anyway, point is, you're not, it's not necessarily a bargain when you can get a discount broker. I mean, if you think about it, what, who, what's the purpose of a discount in, in a marketplace, a discount indicates the thing's not worth full value, you know, think, you know, whatever, uh, you know, O stock or, you know, any kind of discount Walmart, you know, let's Walmart, you're buying it at Walmart. You're, <laughs> okay. It's a discount or they bought it in volume. Right. And they're making it up on volume, which is really Walmart, Costco, stuff like that, which is fine. Except do you really want to be one of a hundred rolls of toilet paper in that huge Costco <laughs> toilet paper pack? That's, Interesting if, analogy. If you're gonna hey, be a, that's I have it. a question back um, yeah. from an earlier point. Give us an idea of your pricing strategy so people understand. Back in your scenario where you said, okay, there's a home in a neighborhood where the last one sold was 350 mm -hmm. and your seller thinks they want to list for 400 and Great. push the market. Where do you price at? Do you price right at where you think the market would be 350 or would you recommend them to price above or below a little or what's your strategy that you do? Yeah, all right. So the house, I'll just use the one I got coming on, right? Uh, the house I have coming on next, uh, on Thursday, tomorrow is... Uh, we can we can see evidence that there have been houses that have sold between about 397 and 470 somewhere in that price range is but and pricing is as much art as it is science okay there's definitely a science to it and you as an investor you'd want to find a realtor that came to you with the data you know what are the market trends what's the top of the market have them show you have them create a cogent argument <laughs> saying this is why I'm pricing it this way. Not, I know the neighborhood. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Right. This is my whole thing about the myth of the neighborhood agent. Really? You know, the neighborhood, where's the evidence, right? So anyway, we have evidence that it's between 397 and, and 470, right? We want to land right around. We can get to 450 or better. We'd be super happy. Right. And I know that there's right now of the 57 homes that are available within a mile of that house that are roughly the same size of the, none of them are available uh, under 450. There's not one house under 450 within a mile of that house. Okay. That's excellent. That's great for us. We're going to price at, we don't want to get the four, we don't want to get the people that paid 397 whoops hang on my video just went are you still there i'm still here okay fine so the um we don't want to get those 397 buyers so we're pricing at 408 we're going to go into 408 why because the 397 may turn out to be true that may turn out to be the top of the market we'll see maybe we can get some right because it's always a guess it's always a risk but i'm thinking at 408 you get enough people that go holy cow Something under four and a quarter in Seattle. Are you kidding? I got to see this place where we have video shot of it. We have great photographs. We've staged it. It looks great. It's clean. We pre-inspected. We pay for the pre-inspection. So people don't have to mess with us afterwards about that. It's ready to go. It needs an outside paint job, but you can't paint it this time of year in Seattle. So you have a painter that gave us the price, you know, $7,000 that's going in the listing packet. Any prospective buyer is going to get that. We're going to get four, five, six people bidding from 408 
up and we'll see. But that's how, I, that's how we think about it. We're, like if we wanted to get 450, we do want to get 450. I wouldn't price it at 450. I don't even want to price it at 430. I want there to be a lot of attention. And sort of the logic is this. If we don't get any offers over 408, we weren't going to get any at 428. Ah. We weren't going to get any at 450. If they weren't going to pay 408, they're not going to pay 450. Mm-hmm. So we weren't going to get it anyway. We, you know, we were off in our thinking. The market is always right. The market is the thing that's always right. I'm not always right. The market is always right. The market doesn't lie. So, um, you know, now, if we get one at 408, might that person have paid 420 had we priced it at 420? Yes, absolutely. We could have been leaving money on the table. It's a risk. Um, but I have seen way more houses overpriced sitting on the market for months and months that never get the money they deserve had they been priced right to begin. Way more than I see houses that are underpriced hasn't happened. Certainly not in Seattle. Now, if I was in a different market or I, I sell in Tacoma, you know, which is a whole different marketplace, we do use slightly different pricing strategy. I probably wouldn't go that low, you know, in a different market. I might go for, depends. It depends what the top would be, but, it, but that's basically how we think about it. Does that answer the question? Yes, it definitely does. And just a follow-on question to that, where's your best guess of where you think this house is going to land? I'm just curious. I, you know, in my, it, I would love to get to 450. That okay, be, so you're that hopeful. Be. It wouldn't shock you then by listing at 408 that you actually sold at 450. No, not at all. Okay, not at all. There was just a house. There was a house. Seattle's a very, very, very hot market. So it's. I, I am very clear. You cannot underprice in Seattle. You just can't. The market's going to come right up to it. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, I could see another realtor trying to put it on at 450 because they want 450 and the thing would just sit because it's, it just would sit. I can just tell it just would sit at 450. Well, I love hearing this because I'm about to list a house in LA soon in a little area called Highland Park that's on the east, eastern side of LA. And I've looked at comps and some of them will sell 75 grand over asking. Totally. And it's shocking i mean i'm thinking it should sell about 725 but i don't i'm like in my head do i list it 725 or do i list it like 675 698 totally get everyone who's look but here's the thinking right here's why i would i would think that okay you got a couple things psychologically going for you first of all if you price it under seven now everyone who's looking from you know around the sevens, we'll see it. If you price mm-hmm. it over seven, you eliminate the sevens, right? Now we right. wanted to eliminate the under fours, and you might want to eliminate the under sevens. So go seven oh eight or something. I just like eights, but seven oh three when it doesn't matter. Um, but you get more people. You want to get more eyeballs. You want to get the most number of eyeballs, right? So you're going to price it low because people love a bargain. They're going to notice it. Plus, there really is a phenomenon of being pot committed meaning the buyer gets emotionally connected to the house. Pot committed is a poker term. Ah, uh, okay. You know, you've, you're in enough with the pot. You're already in. So fine, let me go a little bit more. Fine, I'll, I'll call you. Fine, I'll see you. Um, you have a real estate agent on the other end of the transaction that's not getting paid unless this buyer buys the house. 
and they have an app. I have an app. I'm sure no one, I'm sure everyone has this from their title company where you can see, okay, $10,000 more is only $60 a month. $20,000 more is only $120 a month. Can you afford another $120? You have a realtor asking those questions because they, you know, they know the market's tight. Um, you get three, four people bidding against each other. You're going to go higher. You just are. People are going to go above what they, they're, you're going to find buyers that have been outbid three or four times. They're like, forget it. I'm going in strong. You got all kinds of different things that could happen. Um, you know, in a market like LA, again, it's, you know, play the game, play the hand you're dealt. The hand you're dealt in LA or Seattle or Denver, other cities like that, it's hot use it you know right take it while you can get it list price seems to be no indicator of sale price right now in the last yeah. year there because there's just not enough inventory for people so right. yeah my best last out. my best last year was 37 percent over asking price oh, wow like, really uh, it was it was shocking we got like it was hundred and twenty thousand dollars more than it was it was shocking to me it was so like, you had a happy client huh you know, <laughs> Actually, the truth is the client was a little bit, was sort of upset because we're so liberal here. We're so left, right? He was like, oh my God, we're the problem. We're like the housing crisis. We, <laughs> they were, they, he, he took the money. <laughs> the initial reaction was like, that's not right. That's just not okay that people would be this. It was this teeny little, it was nice, but it was teeny. They paid like four eighty for it. Right, right. Oh my gosh, yeah, I've heard people say that. And I'm like, well, thankfully we live in a free market. The market yes. besides, as you That's said. Right. Thank you. It. Thankfully we, we have a free market and right. there are no rules or government regulations imposing on what we can and can't buy and sell real estate for. <laughs> well, we're down to like maybe five minutes left and sure. I'm... Man, we could talk all day. It's um, so many great things. Well, do you have any comments about offering the other side? So when I'm selling a property, when you're representing a client, about them offering 4% commission, have you ever heard of people doing that to bring in buyer's agents? You know, I see it from time to time, and um, I don't get it. I mean, I'm a buyer's agent too, and I show my clients – whatever house fits, I can't see an ethical buyer's agent sort of promoting your listing because they're going to get more money. You know, I mean, maybe I would give my client back an extra percent and lower their price. And so maybe I could see it like I'll pay some of your closing costs or something. But from my perspective, I can't see how it, would, it wouldn't motivate me to show your house. And unless I was giving that money back to my client, I can't see why my client would want that house anymore because I'm getting paid more. What, why is that of interest to my client? And, you know, again, my whole view is so client centric. I don't, it doesn't make sense I, to me. I'll agree with you there. Um, so I'm a buyer's agent too. And I couldn't ethically push one over another right. um, for seeing that. And I don't see them offered a lot. I hear them talked about in different trainings for realtors, <laughs> but I've 
Yeah, yeah. My, I, my take is the same as yours. That I'm going to help my client get the house they want. I'm not going to push them towards something because I get paid more. I wouldn't even feel great about that. No, so, right, it'd be lousy. I, you know, yeah. I see it for land deals. I see it for low price land deals, you know, for something like 25000 30000 Oh, 000. yeah. Like yeah. that makes sense because that the dollar amount then makes sense. But right, I right. You're just trying that. to get their compensation up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, with that, what else? What other advice do you have? Maybe um, why don't you give some advice on how you would um, suggest people um, vet realtors to work with? Um, first, let's address. I mean, maybe it's the same. Someone that's looking for properties to flip mm-hmm. and someone that's looking for properties to hold as rentals. I mean, it's kind of different parameters. But mm-hmm. how do you find a realtor that can understand investors' goals and language and all of that? Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, hang out at your you know, investors' clubs, local Facebook groups, things like that. There's always realtors hanging around there. You know, I can't swing a dead cat without finding a realtor. So everyone's got realtors that they could talk to. Um, I think the best way to vet them is to interview them. Um, if you're flipping for sure. So the, uh, you know, we talked earlier, Holly. So I have a book called the, uh, don't get fooled again. The seven, seven questions. Oh no. Oh, there you are. Okay, fine. Sorry. My screen just, <laughs> I keep touching my trackpad and we're still up. here. Okay. okay. Um, uh, so it's called don't get fooled again. Uh, insider's guide to the seven questions you must ask to avoid hiring the wrong real estate agent again. And I think those seven questions are great questions for either a buyer or a seller. You give you the lay of the land for people and there's a little template. You can email the realtor because I know people don't like to be confronting. So you just email them this. And I, um, I did this for my mother-in-law and my father-in-law actually just recently was selling a house in Albuquerque where I don't work. But um, uh, so I emailed 10, eight realtors these questions. I got five of them back. I took the best three and I gave them to my mother-in-law to actually call and talk to. So now you have the, now you're only interviewing the ones that perform the best and you're now looking to see who are you most simpatico with. Uh, Mostly people just look for the simpatico part and you have no idea if that person is actually good at their job. So, you know, I think the questions uh, an investor would want to, for a buy and hold, you know, you'd want to find out, does the realtor have uh, access to and familiarity with rental properties, rental rates? Uh, do they have property management referrals they can give you? Uh, how familiar are they with resale values after renting? Uh, you know, how useful are they for the questions that you really have? And I think we started the, this interview with, you really have a commitment as a flipper to get the most money in the least amount of time. That's what you should be asking people, you know? Um, so you should ask people about what you want to know. This mostly I deal with residential and, and personal usage, not, um, but I work with investors and uh, the investors that I work with are almost always asking me to find them properties. And the truth is I find it almost uh, very rarely do I have come across a property that in Seattle right now that the client wouldn't be best served by putting it on the open market. You know, I, I know investors mostly work with yellow letters and, you know, uh, bandit signs and phone calls and foreclosures and uh, that, you know, all the, all the ways to find distressed properties that there are, those are fantastic and great. I, I would work on the other side of that trend. I personally work on the other side of that transaction when it gets ready to sell to the residential market. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes. And you haven't really said what those questions are. So I don't know if you want to sure. say what the questions are that you'd ask. And then uh, let's tell people how they can get their hands on a copy of that book too. Right. Oh, now you're on the spot because I can remember all seven questions. Well, so even if, if you just have a few, sure. you know, sure. give them a little okay. taste of what it is. And then hopefully yeah, yeah. people will go download it because it's really good information. Yeah. it's And it's free. And I'll, you know, I'll, we'll get into it later, but I'm, well, it's free for the people on the listening. So, um, but there's, you know, how much over, how much over, um, market average do you sell homes for which would indicate that they both have to know what the market average is and they'd have to be proficient at beating it um how many transactions did you do last year again you want to weed out your cousin's mother's best friend's nephew <laughs> right like the yes. person that does six, yeah. yeah that does six deals a year okay that's great but you can't live on six deals a year and you don't want you know bob the soccer coach who does this on the side you want a professional. So how many transactions they did? You want someone around 20. You want to find out, do they work with a team or are they solo? You know, my experience is that unless you only, unless they only have one client, you'd be best served by having someone who has a team. You know, I have a, we have a transaction coordinator. We have people that do staging. I have showing agents. I have, you know, number one complaint I get from people when they come to me is my old realtor was never available. Yep. If you're going to hire someone who's busy, you want them to be available. They have to have a team. Uh, what's their commission? You want to listen to how they negotiate for that. Um, uh, what would you sell my house for? Do you have referrals? Now, everyone's got Zillow reviews, stuff like that. But have them give you phone numbers of people. Now, look, the numbers they give you are going to be people that love them. We're clear about that. But you wouldn't interview anyone for any other job and not call their references. Excellent point, because this is a job interview. That's why you're sending out the questions and you're interviewing. I mean, you're hiring someone to work for you as a professional. Thank you. That's 100% why I do that, because the mindset that I think people need to have that they don't have is that you are the CEO. Now, look, the investors definitely have this because a lot of you guys are LLCs and have set up your business the right way, and you really do relate. You are a CEO, and you are hiring someone. I love being interviewed by someone who knows they're hiring me. You know, that's just the best. I, but a lot of times people don't relate to it like they're hiring me. They relate to it like somehow I know things they don't know and they're scared to ask. And I, that's just the relationship. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad relationship. They're the CEO. I'm the employee. It's got to be that way. So those are, those are the, the basics of the questions and the context of the questions, which is even more important. Fantastic. And people, I mean, it's well worth the time, the little time it takes to read that great yes. information because that, that can be life-changing, business-changing, whether whether it's even if you're, you're an investor, but you're not working with realtors, you're just, you know, acquiring rentals. What a great yeah book of information to have for when you do sell your own primary residence or something. It's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So got another question for you. Do you help people? I mean, you're in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's in Seattle. Right. Do you help people find good realtors to work for them in their area of the country? Mm -hmm. And if so, what does it cost them? Great. No. Yeah. So I, like I said, I, you know, I did this for my mother-in-law in, in Albuquerque and the way uh, real estate is set up uh, is I would get compensated. I get compensated by the agent that gets the business. 
So the agent that gets the business, their commission, they give me a piece of that commission. So you're paying 3% as a seller, you're paying 3% to that agent and probably 3% to the buyer's agent, but this, the listing agent's 3%, that I would get compensated out of that. So you're not paying any extra as the investor to have me vet the people. And I, you know, I have, I would, you know, find 10 people to interview and I would send them out my questions and I would then call them and make sure they were on board and send, you know, like I did my mother-in-law, three of the, I, I do this regularly, not just my mother-in-law, but um, it's just the last one I did. Uh, I just send the top three and then you interview the top three. And if you pick any of those guys, they would pay me. And if you didn't pick any of them, you'd be out nothing. And you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to do that work it's very little work and it's uh the other thing that it provides for me it's a it's a little bit of a service for me because it gives me a uh, a pool of resources in that community of high performing agents so i only have to do that once you know if i if you're in dallas and you do and i do this with you great then i have someone in dallas that the next person in dallas calls me that's my guy yeah. You know, I don't have to go through all that again. So it's a, and then I wind up with a pool of high performing agents that I can use. So it's very, very useful for me to be able to do that. And the, you know, I just, I can't do it without a real client. <laughs> you know, I can't right. do it. <laughs> the waste of their time just to talk to me, but if yeah. I have a client, it's worth it. Yeah, I get that 100%. What a great resource. So listeners, if you want a good realtor in your area to help you take advantage of this, Aaron, the, the tough interviewer will, will do the hard work for you and bring you the cream of the crop. Like, why would oh. you not take advantage of that? No cost to you. Or have Aaron do his thing for you and you could try on your own and you'll see that he probably gets better people than you and then you'll just feel better about using his people. So okay. I love it. So give our listeners how they can um, find you on the web and how they can get in touch with you. Great. Uh, probably the best way, uh, so the, the book itself, Don't Get Fooled Again, is available on uh, don'tgetfooledagain.com. Uh, excuse me, don'tgetfooledagainbook.com. Okay. And um, don't get fooled again, book.com. And you register for that, just an email address and you get the book, you download it. Uh, I'll send you the email template that you can use yourself. Um, and then I always follow up by email personally with everyone who gets the book. So you'll have my contact information. Um, and we, you can ask me anything. I'm just really, am. I, I think being a realtor is like, um, it's my favorite job since being a waiter. <laughs> It's just pure service. I just get to take care of people. I really do love it. So anything they need about that. So that's the easiest way. And then you'll have my information. You can ask me anything. And the bonus is, um, like I said, I'm working on my second book, which is called Real Estate Blind Spots. What you don't know that you don't know about buying and selling homes. And uh, it should be released this year or in the middle of this year. And um, anyone who's already on my list from getting the first book will automatically get a copy of the second book because, and we were talking about this pre-show, Holly, it would be an enormous advantage for me to have professional real estate investors read and review the book before it goes to market. So I'm happy to send anyone from the show a copy of the new book for free when it comes out so that I get their feedback. And that's one of the ways that Amazon really works is if you can get all this these reviews ready to go. You look great and you sell more books. Oh yeah. Go, go awesome. so, um, so that's it. Don't get fooled again, book.com and they'll get a copy of the first book. They'll get my email address. We'll be in communication. They can ask me anything they want. 
happy to help. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your great insights, especially on pricing. I think that is one of the most valuable tips that you gave out today when people are pricing their flips to sell. Yeah. And there's two videos for that. There's actually two of the seven series, seven video series. Two of them are on pricing because it's so fantastic. So I'll give you that, that link and you can put it in the show notes. Okay, guys, you've got some great resources here. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of of Aaron's great wealth of knowledge, experience, and information. So with that, thank you again for your time today, Aaron. You've been awesome, and have a great day. Thanks, Holly. You guys too. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.